Gaming NBS episode 122. Welcome to Gaming. Better turn that way down. Welcome to Gaming NBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. If you're new, good to have you on board. If you've been here for a while, good to see you again. Well, hey. Welcome back, Brett, from the the above the Pine Curtain city of the Grand City Metropolis of Wausau, where you put on, I heard, a fabulous gaming convention yeah. this past weekend of January, yeah, seventh, eighth, and ninth, or whatever it was. Yeah, seventh, eighth, and ninth. We had, um, well, actually, excuse me, six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight. Today's the ninth. My God, my days are milled, mushed yeah, into one. Too. I had um, so. Th- this year was the first year that I was part of the whole organization component of it. Uh, myself, uh, Chad, Chris. Thank you, thank you. So it's me, Chad, Chris, uh, Zave, and Alpha <clears throat> involved in the main leadership components of it. And this was our very first one, new venue, brand new actual convention center. Um, it was crazy busy, like nutso. First year we ever had a full three-day con. We were open all day Friday, open all day Saturday, open all day Sunday. Um, we opened at 7 a.m. every day. We're open to like midnight, except for Sunday we closed at 7. But it was pretty packed for a good point. We learned a ton. Like, hey, let's change the flow. Let's get more. Let's get the vendors more traction. Hey, these hours for the vendor hall, excuse me, opened a little too early, closed too early. Let's shift it. And because we weren't, I'm not Gen Con, I just, when the vendor's like, can we stay open an extra hour? The crowds are picking up. I'm like, Sure, I'm in charge. I'll make that call. We're staying open. Then they're you know making more money, being happy. Crowds came in. We had, <clears throat> see, I would say we were in the 90th percentile of success, which is really good. We had a tabletop event software from the guys at GameCrafter JT was physically there on site, not only to run games for us, but to make sure that the convention went off without a hitch. We had a couple of technical glitches we learned. We did some changes and tweaks to the site on the fly. I had uh, my wife and uh, my three youngest were there, Connor, AJ, and Alana. AJ and Alana played six hours of D&D straight on Friday. D&D. In one game? Uh, two, it was a two-parter. They played the first part. They had such a good time. They're like, we have to play a second part. Had like an hour break in between. Man, kudos to them because I, uh, now, of course, I do not have kids. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can get a couple kids to stay at one table for six hours, you know, maybe there's a break. Yeah. It w- <laughs> that's, that's pretty damn good. Though. It was a uh, guy was running a five E D and D with Pokemon monsters and kind of Pokemon mythology in it. And they just ate it up. They had a great time. So of course the best thing that comes of it is they come up to me and AJ, Alan, how was it? That was the best game ever. He's the best dungeon master. And I'm like, I have run for you. I am your father. Oh, snap. Better DM than daddy-o. <laughs> oh, no. Apparently. They had a blast, though. Then they got to, there were some video game tournaments. We had Badger State Games, which is the state game system. Uh, Ticket to Ride tournament. I got to little put the gold, silver, metal, uh, uh, bronze medals on top of uh, people's necks. That was kind of cool. Uh, camera shoved in my face from different news sources trying to figure out why you moved, what you're doing. So I got, yeah, I got yeah, media to, coverage, man. I got, totally got media coverage. I got used to saying the same story over and over and over again. Where's the, where's the YouTube? Where, where I is gotta, the video? I got to find them now. Basically I tried my damnedest to like tweet out through the Evercon uh, LLC through our, well, through the Evercon Twitter and our Facebook. I tried my damnedest to like put up as many pictures and posts as I could, but uh, it was tough to keep up with everything and then do social media. So we have a list of things like we need to fix this stuff for 2018. How are we going to do that better? Um, but overall, it's smaller tweaks, consolidating stuff, tightening things up. One of the pieces that we had, which was just a colossal hit, was the Last Hope LARP. I talked about this on the show before. It's Wisconsin-based um, you know, foam, foam swords, people in full immersion costume type LARP. And those people were fantastic. They were at Game Hole. Sean, I don't know if you remember them. The one in the, I do in the, remember, yeah. The guys are kind of stalking each other through the convention. Well, Friday was a little slow, so they did a lot of training sessions with the kids and the adults and so on that showed up. Saturday, they had like a lot of people kind of mob their area. Then they had these huge pitch battles in this big room we gave them. And then I let them range throughout the convention, stalking and hiding and sneaking up on each other through the attendees and so on. Sunday was dead because it's Sunday. So they turned it up a notch further. And then they were like 
taking their event throughout the con. It was just so much fun. So much fun. So much fun. I got a hard press, hard sell that I need to go try, try LARPing. Cause apparently they're coming to Mazomani, uh, for an event this next month in February. Like, so Mazomani, that's pretty close to Madison. So actually that's about 30 minutes from my house. Like, see, see, you could come. Your kids had fun. Come on, dad, bring the kids. So <laughs> that was cool. The other really cool piece, um, was like Corey Wynn, Dave Wynn, um, their other brother, another brother of theirs came and they brought their kids, <clears throat> excuse me, on Saturday. And that, and it was awesome to see those guys there that Kevin Lovecraft, Austin, and they were there Friday, Saturday, and they had to leave a little bit early Sunday. So Austin was feeling under the weather, but then, um, we had Mr. Farmer came up on Saturday to help yeah, those. He couldn't, he couldn't meet Wayne and I for gamer gamer coffee breakfast he was in wasa yeah he was uh trying to help though kevin and austin do a little games on demand action we um it did not go over as well as we'd hoped it's not like a really indie game crowd but we started to get people more interested um they've already told me some of the plots and plans they have to improve it for next year so they had enough fun to come back so that was really cool um who else did i see there we had well, most of the guys from my gaming crew um uh, from my group like alpha beta Zave, Lenny, all the guys and the names I've thrown out here a bunch of times. They were all there running games. My buddy Lenny ran the one game based with the uh, New World of Darkness scenario. My son played in that, along with Alpha's wife, Sarah. Alpha was able to get in on it, too. And they went from the convention to Lenny's brother-in-law owns the laser tag area. So they went from the convention, and they went to laser tag, fighting laser tag guys in full zombie makeup. And then you run through with these with these laser tag weapons that are dialed up or down. Like if you have a shotgun, it does so much damage. If you have a pistol, it does a southern amount of damage. Then you have hit points and how many shots it takes to take down the lead zombie. And uh, Lenny's statement to me is he said, I didn't think Alpha could run that fast. He said when this big guy, when the big zombie popped out, he went, fuck that, and just took off. He said he took off. He said your son had a hard time keeping up with him. He said he just booked. So it was uh, it was crazy fun. We had, um, let's see here. God, I think total badges, the highest badge number I saw, I did not get a chance to check it, but the highest badge number I saw written down in our, our count was 1,022. Wow, man. So we moved. Thank you, thank you. As I mentioned before, we went from a junior high school um, where we would potentially get you know 1,300, 1,500 people. When we talked to the uh, Visitors Bureau and the uh, all the tourism stuff in, in the area, they were thinking, well, do you think you could get 2,000 people? And we're like, you know what? Not year one at the new location. A lot of change, price changes, shifts, and so on. But we need to adjust it. Um, so having 1,000 people show up is pretty cool. Most of it was on Saturday, which will help us adjust um, kind of how we schedule things and all that stuff. We're also going to change our hours. After 10 o'clock, it was really dead. We're like, why am I here till midnight, you know, can't stand up. This is dumb. No one shows up until nine o'clock in the morning. Why did we open at seven? This is silly. So we can fix that stuff. That's easy fixes. Excuse me. Um, hmm. What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, da, 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 da. You know, from, uh, for going from everything new, like, from, like I said, ticketing system, badges, trying uh, the new software, everything, that shit just worked. So if you are running, I mean, I kid you not, and I did a, I did a, a, a uh, oh my God, these guys are awesome video for the uh, tabletop events folks for JT, but they're fucking awesome. If you were thinking about running a convention that a tabletop gaming convention, you use tabletop events, you get hold of JT and those guys, that's the game crafter crew and you work with them and figure out how to use their software. It's awesome. It did everything we need. We needed it to. We got financial reports, we had all that good stuff. It's, it's really, really good. So, oh, and oh, special guests we had. I got to have dinner one on one with Ken Height, which is really awesome. Got to pick his brain a bit. Uh, Lloyd Metcalf was there. Um, Tim Seeley, the artist. Lloyd Metcalf is a artist and game designer. Uh, Lloyd Metcalf, as I said, Tim Seeley. Um, Drew Happley is one of the Men in Black. He's local. He he. His grandparents still live in town, so he shows up and runs a bunch of MIB stuff for us. But everybody in the, the professional gamers, right, the designers and stuff, they all had a chance to take me aside and say, hey, Brad, I go to a shit ton of conventions across the country. If you're trying to grow, what are you trying to do here? And Ken asked me that. And I said, Ken, I want to increase role playing. I want to change this. He said, here's some things I have seen that have worked at these types of conventions. This is what I would do. As a special guest, Ken, what do you need? I like to have these things in place for me. He said, these are my own idiosyncrasies. 
maybe good, maybe bad for other people, but this would help. Simple things like, hey, if you could get a bunch of people I know from the Chicago area, so there's a number of game designers that are in Chicago, it's fun to road trip with my buddies. If I could get P.K. Sullivan to come up here with me, he said, I'd ride up with P.K. We could rent a car, cruise on up to Wausau. And he said, I don't know, what did he say? He's, he said, I don't know if you got me drunk or drugged via email. He said, but it's 15 below zero and I'm happy to be here. So that's kind of weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> traditionally speaking, Evercon is like the coldest day at the start of the new year. Well, Ken's, you know, and, and Ken's from the Windy City. So it's yeah. not like Oklahoma he's originally, tropical. But no, no, yeah. he, he lives in Chicago now, but. He said to go north in January he, for a convention, he said, is not normally something he would think of. But um, did we have the huge numbers show up for his um, couple seminars? No, we didn't. It was small seminars. Fine. We're growing our seminar track. We're growing these different components. Uh, Kevin and I think, I know Zave was able to get in on the two because it was running late in the day. We had one open slot, so I threw Zave in there. I said, Zave, you're not doing anything. Go play a game with Ken Height." So Kevin got in there, and I think Eric Farmer was in there too, and they, uh, I think it was Delta Green. It just, it, or I think it was Delta Green anyway. I completely forgot the hell he was doing. Well, see, that's the unique thing about, you know, even a con that, so Ken in our circles is well known. Some other circles, he's not so much, maybe, right? It was crazy. I, I did talk to people. They're like, who's Ken Height? I'm like, how do you mean you don't know who Ken Height is? Oh my God. But, they, like, but they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know anybody. Like, even no. my, Merle's, they wouldn't even know, right? Yeah. Merle's, you know, the guy, fifth edition DD, DD in right. general. They just don't know. They no. just know the brand and the game. And they, you know, at certain ages, you just don't know people. It's like actors and actresses. You're like, oh, I recognize that person's face. That's the, that's, that's the character from that show, exactly. right? Not the actor and actress. The other, so oh, sorry, go ahead. But it, the nice thing about it is, though, you get like you know somebody like Eric Farmer that goes to that that venue, they can take advantage of the <clears throat> the intimacy of that game that yes, Ken runs. Exactly. Like, Holy shit! I got Ken Height running this game. It's really cool. Like you know, it's not a battle to get tickets or anything necessarily. Correct. Which you know, yeah, it's like an exclusive, right? Yes. The other uh, guest we had was David McGarry, the guy who designed the dungeon board game. He had wanted to do, he has been, a, he's a huge fanatic of cold fusion and he has done all this research. It's like a hobby for him. He's like, I want to oh, do a shit. talk on cold fusion. And we said, David, David, I don't know. He goes, no, I want to try it. He said, I don't care if no one shows up. I really want to try it because I want to set up my system and blah, blah, blah. No one showed. It, it didn't happen. But we, we had gone out to dinner with him the night before. I helped them set up his table. He and his wife, Rose, they're just amazingly cool people. And he's playing dungeon with the kids. He's playing with adults. And he starts talking to, it's a long session of dungeon because he tells them, hey, this is how I made the game and so on. And some of the kids are like, you made this game? Yes, I designed this game back in, you know, whenever. And he has, and he brought with him Dave Arneson's ping pong table. That Dave, It's a, take, a classable ping pong table that Arneson used to use. And he left it out for the whole county. He's like, you know, play on this table. Enjoy. It's a piece of gaming history. So now my claim to fame is I got to fix a busted piece of Dave Arneson's ping pong table because the clasp that clipped it together got bent and twisted in transport. And I happened to have my Leatherman on me. And poor Dave's like, do you have a pliers or something? And I said, yes, here, let me help you, sir. There. Awesome con con manager guy comes over and fixes table. I'm suddenly amazing. So because it's smaller, everybody got the opportunity to have a lot more high touch right from staff. So when the vendors had a problem, you're like, oh, can we do this thing? Absolutely. I'm right there. It's not that it's not that complicated to find us, and uh, we can make adjustments as needed. So, But I tell you, though, having having your friends and, I mean, the BSers are our friends, too. Having those guys show up, Corey and, and Farmer. Oh, um, uh, Michael Drescher was there, too. Completely surprised me because that guy is usually locked down at his job, right? So he drove straight up. And as he said, it's the most straight 100-mile commute from Madison ever because it is get on I-39 and go straight. But he and his buddy who came to Game Hole made it up. It was a birthday gift for himself, Dreshers, and he got a chance to come up and hang out for a while on Sunday. I felt bad he couldn't have made it Saturday because there was more hopping on Saturday, but he still said he had a lot of fun. So it was just so cool to turn around and go, oh, my God, these are my friends, and they all showed up to help support this thing we're trying to put on. So it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I told people ninety percent awesome, one uh, percent hell, and the rest of it's just shit that has to get better. So it was good. Fantastic, man! All right, we better get going, dude. We're gonna be here all freaking night. Let's do it. Let's go. 
All right, let's get into Random Encounter. Random Encounter, segment of the show. Field and emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Got a Goblin's Henchman voicemail. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm sure it'll play any second now. Of course it will. Of course it will. Well, you know what? I just I had this hold up. Hold on a second. Let me just refresh quick. Here we go. Oh, now now it doesn't want to play. Let's see if I can get this to play anyway. Nope. Wait a minute. Stand by. Technical difficulties. I got it. Hold on a second. It's a good thing. It's, it's t- a good thing. It's t- TV because we're TV because we can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this thing's doing. Oh, oh. All right, maybe we'll, we'll... Happy New Year, BSs. It's the Goblin's Henchman here with another voice message. Just wanted to respond to the comments made by Michael in episode 121 about the issue of uh, sort of clicking into action mode when players are engaged in analysis paralysis where they spend sort of half an hour analyzing the situation and coming up with a plan and and um and how i in a previous message said that one way to deal with this is to uh force the players to make quick decisions sort of put them on the spot go five four three to one what, what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing and um michael um came back with a you know core bs on that and had some valuable points but um in some ways i think uh i don't think he's he's quite quite right in some of his r- remarks um, he, I think one, one, he had sort of two prongs to his argument. The first was that it's sort of a character realism point of view. And the other one was the sort of to do with player management. So it's from a DMing person to person kind of issue. Um, from the, um, player realism, I think Michael's point was that these, these, these characters are training and drilling all the time. And when they face with an eventuality, that training comes out and then that allows the players to talk about the scenario and say, well, this would have accounted for what we would have done in our training and therefore we're allowed this extra time. Well, I'm not sure. From my point of view, I don't really buy that. Um, my experience of characters or players, players playing their characters are that, um, most, most characters are on a sort of get rich quick scheme. They're, they're not the sort of guys who drill and train. They're not the military. I, mean, I suppose you've had a group of paladins. They might on their spare time drill. I mean, my image of these guys is the sort of typical murder, murder hobo. I know some people don't like that term, but when they get back to the village, back from the adventure, they're spending their money. They're, they're smoking pipe weed. They're down the tavern chasing, you know, ladies or guys, depending on their, you know, predilection. Um, they're not, they're not drilling. Um, and I suppose even if you accepted that premise that they're, they're, these characters drill in their spare time, I think it's just not realistic in certain scenarios. Yes, if some orcs are running at you, yes, we can have a sort of a impression of what we might do if, even if you discount the sort of pressure scenario of enacting a plan that you've already prepared. But, you know, let's imagine a scenario you're teleported into a room. It's an ice cavern. In 60 feet in front of you, there's a beholder. There's a stream of lava between you and the beholder. And on each flank is, uh, uh, owlbear riding kobolds. And from above, piercers begin to drop. And the uh, characters look at each other and go, brilliant. We planned for this. No, it's impossible. So I think that sort of drilling idea, I don't think really, really works. There's just too many variables for that to be reasonable. Now, the second point he made was a lot more valuable in the sense of player management. Is it right to put a new player or a shy player on the spot and say, what do you do? You know, I think each DM has to know their players and, and judge that. Um, I think from my point of view, I found it really actually was the opposite Normally what happens in these analysis paralysis scenarios is one or two people are calling the shots as so some self-appointed leader. You know, one of the shy players chirps up with an idea. Ah, oh, maybe we should use a fireball. He goes, no, 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 you, you, you need to save that for later. And they sort of, you know, shout them down or kind of browbeat them out of, out of their choices. So I found that when you did this scenario and put people in individual, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? It gave those people actually a voice. They, they had to make a choice because it was their turn. And, and if you're worried, you know, the DM can work his way around the table and go to those people last, the new player or, or the, um, the shy player. And he's after, after five or six people have had their turn, they can just say, Oh, 
yeah, I also charge or, you know, they can copy someone else's opinion or they can actually express what they wanted to say all along. So I think from that, that sort of, that point of view, yes, you don't want to, you don't want to put people on the spot who aren't, who don't want to be, but I think it actually is more liberating than that. And I think just one other thing is like any tool, you don't have to use it every single time. That would be boring. I think this, this tool of putting people under live action scenario on the spot, go, 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 really is a great tool when players are somehow getting in a rut of analysing, you know, 30 minutes about the door handle. Do we open it? Do we bash it down? Just get on with it. And I think this can sort of be a tool to speed up the game in those scenarios. Um, I think it would be boring to do it every single time and and I think players should have time to think and express themselves because otherwise that's part of the game. So in certain circumstances, like the, the wacky beholder scenario I came up with, well, actually I'd let them talk that through because it'd be interesting to see what ideas they came up with, even in, in the case it wasn't particularly realistic that they have 30 minutes to chat about it. So anyway, that's my that's my two two bits on it. So um, um, make of that what you will. Um, Happy New Year to everybody and uh, thanks for the great show. and. Um, Yes. Cheers, fellas. So thanks to Goblin's Henchman for the voicemails. Much appreciated. Uh, so I think this is one of those situations where it's in a agree to disagree, right? I think well, I think the, the piece he said in there, which is very, very true, is that it's hard to it's very difficult, at least in my opinion, to say there is only one right way to do a thing. Uh, if you know your group and you understand how they play, it's easier to do or use certain tactics. And some people may also not feel comfortable using a certain approach. And I can say, use a go, 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 as Henchman and I are talking about, and people may be like, oh, yeah, that totally works for me. And they don't really understand the full details of how I do it. But I think you're right. There is kind of a – there's no one right way to do it. But his points are valid too. I think I think there's some good stuff in there. All right. So next up, sir. Ah, yes. Corey Wynn. Oh, and Corey, by the way, thank you again. He uh, brought the Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerers of Hyperborea box set I bought from him. And he got it signed by Jeff for me. So that's pretty cool. Put a picture up on GG+. It's just fucking awesome. Anyway, it's liberating. I can curse again. Um Corey Wynn emailed us. and It's it's, it's the small things. It's the small things. It is absolutely <laughs> the small things. I had a hard time not swearing all weekend, especially at certain points. Oh, I suppose, yeah. You were probably on your like real best behavior, weren't yeah, you? I did there? be like business Brett for three days. Business Brett. That is that is Brett's alter ego. Yes. Greetings. Cons- to, to be. <laughs> to be. The business From Brett. now Double on, B. moving forward, to be. There you go. Greetings, business. Uh, greetings, consumers. Business. Greetings, consumers of beer and sausage. Man, chaining Brett down so he can't curse is like telling a politician they can't lie. An impossibility. Glad Sean had his plus four bleep of speech concealment going. In other news, by the time this airs, my daughters and I should have met Brett at Evercon and had a good time, which indeed they did. Raise a pint, uh, raising a glass in Gary Con now when I may see you again. Here's a funny but horrible story about names and problems with them. Years ago, while starting a second edition AD&D game, I was gearing up for a typical fantasy. Um, with made-up Tolkien-esque names or sample ones provided or hinted at in the realm's gray box, my brother, not Dave, the one between us, decided to name his character Tyrone. The other players came up with names that fit exactly the feel I wanted to convey, but Tyrone didn't fit. I hemmed and hawed, but was very blunt that Tyrone wasn't a name okay for this game. It had a certain feel and motif. My brother insisted that his character that was the character's name. Fine, I'll live with it, but I was going to be a jerk in the process. <laughs> I made him roll his character up by the book. Every rule strictly enforced. He rolled almost minimum amount of a gold as a fighter and couldn't get, could get. And I giggled with glee inside because now this improperly named character was, was going to get it. He couldn't afford any weapon armor. So he settled on a shield, um, to at least have some defense and have a way to bash opponents. I mean, it to him, the town, the party started and was filled with a cult, an anti-Tyronist cult. Yep, every citizen, the men, women, and children, even the pets, were nefariously evildoers, hell-bent on killing anyone they met named Tyrone. I had no rational history behind this very irrational hatred, other than to kill this PC who dared have his name, other than what was quote-unquote acceptable for me in said game. <laughs> It didn't take long. Sorry, right, that's funny. Get it, get it together, man. It didn't take long before the townsfolk found out his name and killed him mercilessly. I was happy for a while, <laughs> as you would. Um, excuse me. Um, he continues, but it really stalled the start of the campaign as my brother was upset and wouldn't play with the others, with others playing, trying to moderate between us. 
Long story short, that was the one and only time I've had names bother me. I have also mellowed out and have plenty of fun games with said brother since, and we still smirk about that episode. Only time I know when I was uh, a willing, awful, bad DMGM. I played in a Star Wars Edge of Empire game where I had a pilot that was named Captain Hugh, jo- Hugh space Jorgen, and other games where names are silly. It can be an eye roller, especially in Call of Cthulhu, but I have since mellowed out on it. In my home world of uh, Deluin, I have made up names and mishmash of common words for place names, etc. I'll also have to show you both the maps sometimes. Keep up the great work, and here's a die roll for you. Oh, we'll throw that in die roll. Did he give us a die roll? He did. Oh, I might have overlooked that. I uh, will put it down there. You carry on. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks, Mr. Wynn, for writing in. Absolutely. All right. Crim fan comments on silly names. I find silly names are really only good in the right circumstances. For a lighthearted game, it's okay, but if the campaign isn't really lighthearted, the names tend to be jarring and uh, violate suspension of disbelief. For a gnome or halfling, that's kind of expected. Uh, Much as dwarves have pseudo-Scottish accents these days. You know, I'm going to get a shirt that's like, dwarves against Scottish accents. Yes. Like... Or do all your, you know, make out sure all your dwarves sound like, like they're from Finland or something. Something just different. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Vikings right. or, or have a Spanish accent or a French accent, something different. Yeah, right. Uh, to avoid making things silly, I've tried using names from other cultures. Uh, I had a publication that had a bunch of nameless. This often works for town names, for instance, where you can pick names off a map. Uh, Mongolian worked pretty well for me for a while, but as you guys said, Norse, Celtic, Greek, etc. work pretty well. Someone I play with uses Hebrew names fairly often. Uh, I do have one long-standing rule. No NPC has the same name as a PC, and nobody has the same name as a player or the DM. Hmm. Which I can totally understand. Like I did that on purpose nothing... once. I made an NPC that had the same name as a, as a player character. I did it on purpose. Did you really? Yeah, because the what a dick move. Yeah, because it caused it caused confusion. It was great. That is hilarious. Sorry, carry on. I'm, I'm, that is, but th- I'm still th- laughing. As a player, I'm like, still laughing about killing I'm gonna Tyrone. sit down. I'm sorry. What's your and okay? Let's see. Uh, and your name is uh, it's you know Greenfelder Hoppenscape. Okay, you. All right, I'm uh, Fiddlebottom. Okay, and you, Dave. Your character's name is Dave. Yeah. Dave Johnson. <laughs> Dave Johnson. It's <laughs> Mr. Dave Johnson. Yeah. You know. Senior. Mr. 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 You know. Stephanie Schultz. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Hilarious. Let's get into the main topic, let's, shall we? Let's do it. Thanks, Crim Fan, for commenting. We appreciate it. Thank you Absolutely. so much. All right. All right. So Brett was out, and when Brett's out, he doesn't, he's like, kind of like, hey, man, I just, he's not doing the time. When I'm out, I check out. I'm like, whatever. Fuck that Sean guy. So when you listen to 121, we said, you know, we're like, well, actually, it was after, we didn't even mention, we were like, well, we got to tune in and see what we're going to talk about. And we didn't decide. And then after that, Brett and I sat and talked, and I'm like, hey, dude, you're going to be at Evercon. What do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know. Oh, oh. I said, well, I got it. I got it. So then Brett comes back, and I'm like, hey, we're all set. And Brett tells me, and hey, we're, and we're not recording on Sunday. Hey, I can't record on Sunday. I'm like, no, no shit, dickhead. We're going to be on Monday. <laughs> and Brett's like, oh, what's like, the topic? Right. And then he's like, okay, I got to do it at, okay, 6 o'clock. I'm like, I got to get home from work, walk dogs, feed animals. I'm like, 7 o'clock. We well, agreed on this. Brett's like, oh, okay. So his brain is completely fried. Mostly. And then I said, we're talking about the weather. And he goes, okay, well, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll get the outline going. And, uh, so what, you know, I'll, I'll put a topic down. I think I was thinking about maybe talking about Evercon. I go, no, no, we're talking about the weather. Yeah. And I, and I still don't buy it for like an hour <laughs> after that. I'm like, whatever. He's fucking with me. So I, I pull up the outline and holy shit, we're talking said, about the weather. I said, did you get the outline? But I thought, yeah, the weather, man, we're talking about the weather. <laughs> So I'm driving this bus tonight. You are, which is good because I could use a train conductor right now. I am a sleepy man. 
right? Let's do it. Only so apropos. So, Brett. Yes, Sean. That's really loud. The weather. Now, we, it's kind of funny because in Wisconsin, that is kind of the thing, right? Whenever there's an awkward moment, people in Wisconsin will relate to this, maybe even the Midwest, even maybe where you are. People, small talk, awkward, you're in an elevator. Wow, it's cold outside. Oh, it's really nice outside. You come in, you, you come in bundled up like everyone, like all the vendors did. At one vendor coming to Evercon, he, he, I, I could see his eyes barely through his f- steamed up glasses. He's got like the, the the scarf pull up, a huge parka hood. He's fully wrapped like like a you know Arctic expedition. And he says, "Well, at least it's not cold." I mean, it's just, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm like holy crap. So I'm like two Wisconsin guys got to do the top about the weather. So Brett, the weather. Yes. How, how, there's a few ways. How, how do you use the weather I tr- in your RPGs? I try is to. It, is it, do you try to? <clears throat> Absolutely. In- when I run, um, when I run Avalon, I like, it helps me enhance the way the city feels. Um, if you have rain come in, it makes the streets muddy. It makes, uh, sight distance even harder. And I do the same thing like in a forest, right? If there is, if there's rain or I want to obscure or cause, even if it's a non mechanical impact, just to have, a uh, attention booster, right? Wake up. There's an in- <laughs> Sean's coughing to death. <laughs> Wrong pipe. Wow. I can't. He's too far away. I can't even Heimlich maneuver the guy. That's no good. Scotch. Scotch. Freaking went down the wrong pipe, man. <laughs> you. It's w- not like water. You wuss. I'm sorry, Brett. I'm sorry. Continue. I, I can breathe scotch. Just it's a, it's a it's a learned behavior. You can do it. Well, if you can breathe fire, fire scotch is like water. See, there you are. Anyhow. So doing it, it really helps to, it takes the environment that you're in and solidifies that for everybody. And players that are paying attention, <clears throat> excuse me, with their characters are going to want to do very specific things like, oh, it's muddy. Can I see the tracks? You said it was raining outside like crazy. Has anyone been in my room? There's going to be water somewhere or something. It gives clues and specific things that everybody can use. It's to that point of you set the scene of you're in a basement underneath a tavern and a fight breaks out. Sean, what do you do? Well, um, I look around for a bottle and I grab it and I smash the guy. You know, however you have that discussion, we've talked about that before. Um, but setting that piece of of na- natural uh, environment, natural environment, all the environments are mostly natural. Anyway, tired bread is tired, um, but sets the tone completely, and uh, it becomes a unified tone. No one goes, well, is it muddy or rainy or what the hell is it? I don't even know what it's like outside. Someone goes, well, it's obviously sunny. No, it's cold. It's not cold. What day is it? What's going on? It sets a clear expectation of what that looks like. Do you do it? I don't do it as much as I should. And the reason is I think it's something that is, if it's not front of mind. It's dumb and stupid. No, wait. Oh, it's not not front It's not dumb and stupid. It's just not always thought of because you're always like, okay, you're going to travel somewhere. You travel, you travel, and you travel some more. Right? But weather... You know, it can play a few different roles, right, in the RPG. So, Brett, yes, you, you use it, but why? Is there a particular reason? You mentioned how it uniformly paints the picture across the table, but is there a particular reason why you implement weather? Um, usually for thematic issues, right? If it's thunder and lightning and I have a big combat and it's at night, uh, crack, you know, the, the thunder crack, the flash of the lightning, the whole, you know, boom, thunderbolt goes by, the lightning goes, and the, in the flash of that briefest of light, you see uh, the hooded figure, you know, the cliche, the hooded figure goes and ducks behind the bar uh, the outside the tavern. And then you're, boom, you're immediately submerged in another torrential downpour as the clouds burst opening, and what do you do? Um, that's different than, okay, you see a hooded figure go around a corner, what do you do? That narrative makes it sound scarier or different or something that you actually feel like you're involved in. Otherwise, it becomes very third person-y, right? If you tell somebody, you know, it's really, really cold. Thank God your character's wearing his w- winter boots. You've, you know, your beard is frosted up. Your eyebrows have got icicles hanging on them. Your, you know, your your long braided hair is, you know, got ice crystals in it. The snow's pounding on you. What do you want to do? Players that hear that type of thing also, in my in my mind, even if they don't normally have a narrative bent, they want to take that element and utilize it in their descriptions of their actions. 
that is the main reason, now that I talk it through aloud, that I do it. If I tell you that it's super boiling hot out and this, that, and the other thing, okay, you're going to camp. It's still about 110 degrees. Sean looks at me and goes, well, I'm taking off this plate mail armor for God's sakes. This thing's been hot. You know, I'm not sleeping in that. I'm assuming I've stripped down to nothing but my skivvies because it's too hot out here. There's no way I'm going to wear that stuff. It forces, it not doesn't force, it helps to reinforce a certain type of role-playing interaction to me. Make sense? It does make sense. And I think that we mentioned setting tone, I think, right? Absolutely. Paints a picture of the environment. Yes. Sound? Do you get into the sound piece yeah. of weather? If it's um, so if you've got howling wind, do I hear anything? You with the wind, the howl, the the ice crystals beating on your ears. It's really really hard to hear. Um, maybe then you reach into your mechanic bag and say, "Yep, you're gonna get a minus two penalty on that roll." Or you hear something. Maybe it's a wolf. Maybe it's the wind. Maybe it's that horrible bugbearer. You know, cabal that's been following you for the past week. I don't know. And if it's a horrible nasty rain in a swamp. Or in some farmer's field, it probably smells because <laughs> there's there's the those components of it. Um, and sometimes rain even deadens smell, right? Water comes down and drives those things out. If it's super hot and everything's baking and you walk past roadkill, if you ever had the displeasure of having to do that, it's nasty. And that's just one more thing that the weather drives affected behavior. Uh, of, uh, actually, not affected behavior. All your senses are impacted by it. And because the players only know what their characters sensations are through what we tell them or what they work with us to tell us, you know, how we jointly tell that story, the more input you can give them, the better. I'm not saying I do it all the time or I do it very well all the time. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm positive. There's been a number I can, I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of a number of different examples where, I got done and went, shit, that entire encounter was supposed to have taken place during a storm. Ah, forgot the storm. Oh, well, still had fun. <laughs> you know. Right. That happens. And, and it does. And sometimes, so that would go to my next question with you, Brett, is when do you stipulate when it happens? Is there a point to implementing it for you when you run a game? Is it like, I'm going, this must take place during a rainstorm, snow, snow blizzard, dry drought, whatever. There's a either you because there's a couple ways we can implement this, right? Mm-hmm. There's either the I plan this piece, or I rolled randomly, or whatever kind of random piece of of it. However, you want to implement it. So I guess the question is: Is there a purpose when you implement weather that sets the tone? Is there a reason why? I get it. Other than just saying it's raining and I want to paint the picture. like Yeah, so if I'm starting a Kickstarter campaign, the first session, I know for a fact it's going to look like this. Because I'm like, first session, who's there? Great, you're going to start here. And this is the weather because I want to paint the picture right away. So I purposely remember and start it in a certain way. After that, it becomes, to me, often a random encounter chart type of thing. I could practically have... um if I were to use random encounter charts, it could be, you know, external. It could be bugbears, passing wyvern, dragon, freak snowstorm, whatever. All of that stuff is almost, it's an encounterable thing. It's a potential random event that you could happen. Going through a desert, a uh, dust storm comes up, wind shifts, cause sounds or something along those lines. Those types of things I have used in the past. So it becomes, <clears throat> instead of sometimes it's, you know, Ninjas kick in the door and attack the party. It's there. You hear a distant rumble and then rain. Because the party's been planning to do something, they've been dicking around planning for a while. I don't want to kick the door in with ninjas, but I'm going to make them have to do something pretty quick because a storm is coming and their plan is to sail out of town. Are you sailing tonight or not? There's a storm coming. Ooh. Uh, so, you, so, you, so you're using it to, in that particular instance, you're using to propel them into action. In that, like, hey, like if you don't move, you're going to be facing a whole heap load of crap tomorrow, yep. and you're not going to be able to get out of the harbor or whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you're so modern setting, you're sitting in Wausau, Wisconsin, saying, God, we should go to the con today. It's really cold out. I don't know. What's it supposed to be? Someone comes in a tavern, stomps off their boots, and, geez, I think we're supposed to get an ice storm tonight. Good God. Wouldn't want to be anywhere on the roads tonight, I tell you that. And then he walks off, orders a beer. Right there, shit, that's a random encounter. 
Dude told yeah, me sure. that the weather just changed. And that, again, it propels the story and, and uh, makes them take action without it being a physical threat or a uh, something. It's not, how do I want to say it? it it's a, it's more, it feels passive to me, more of a passive threat. It's not necessarily a plot threat. It's like, look, you know, it's going to fucking rain. And you were planning to camp for the next six days. You want to do that? Yeah. So do you, That's, when you do it, do you, what? do you plot it? Yeah. Do you plot it out or do you? Um, I think I do it to make it different than the norm. So I think it is a matter of, oh, you're going across land and everything's, you know, everybody thinks it's sunshine and clear skies. Everything's fine. Butterflies are flying around. Birds are chirping. That's probably the standard, but sometimes like I kind of think of the John Wick kind of perspective, like let's kind of make things miserable for the player characters, throw some rain in front of them, make it like just downpour. Well, hard, you know, hardship is muddy, yeah. crappy, yeah. damp, wet, cold, just miserable. If I, but, if I ask you a memorable march you've ever been on with your platoon back in the, back in the days in the army, I'm, I'm assuming you're not going to give me the time it was gorgeous and beautiful. You're going to remember the time it was freezing fucking cold or you're up to your ass in swamp. There are plenty of times where I can look back and go, I remember movements and exercises that we were on that were just great days, right? You just, you're out and it's open and everything's great. That's, However, that's a boring story. It is. And usually there, it doesn't always go that route. No. But it varies. Like I have had those beautiful days, right? That are great. And it's not a drought, but I'll give you an example. So in Hohenzell, Germany, um, and Grafenvier. So during World War II or even before that, Hitler imported a bunch of sand so that Rommel and his boys can train to be, for desert warfare for Africa. And so when you go to those places, there's sand, they're called sand tables. There's sand tables everywhere. So what happens is it's a really nice day and it's dry. And then you go down the tank trail. You go down a tank trail with, you know, 30 plus ton vehicles. Literally, I remember going to one exercise. I know I'm getting to a No, no, no. It's, it, this, is, this, is why, this is why you do this, this, though, because this story. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So, it's, this is, so what happens is we... We are a new unit, right? We're going into the exercise area, right? We're going, we're pulling into Grafenbeer. We have our stuff on railheads, which is train, uh, flat cargo train. I don't know what the hell, like cars, I guess. And we were coming off. And then what happens is we were coming off and another unit was getting on. And when we were coming off, we're like, wow, are those German troops? Because they were all gray. Well, they weren't German. They were American, U.S., O.D. Green. But they, because I'm like, oh, no, are you kidding me? It was all dust. <laughs> there was so much dust that it turned the colors of all the vehicles, like, white-ish gray. It's like the Wisconsin salt winter, right? Your My black truck is now white. With oh, salt. It's, it is. And, and when I, I was a driver for a vehicle and driving those, down those tank trails during those times, I mean, you almost wish like a little rain would be good. The problem is when it would rain a lot, then you're like, oh, instant mud everywhere. So you had two like extremes. Uh, and if it rained and then it kind of dried, you'd be like right after rain. Perfect. Like during the rain, no good. <laughs> it's like there's, a, there's like a one day sweet spot. And then it just goes to hell. <laughs> But we used to have to like wrap ourselves up. I mean, because the dust was so bad, we have wow. goggles on. And it, but anyways, I, well, tell you the other thing that you mentioned is like you know when you said it's not necessarily a um um a, drought, a, a drought or something, right? But it, it could be. Right. I mean, you take something in here. You, you mentioned like the potato famine in, in the notes we were looking at here. So you do something in an area, you encounter it, and you put a famine in. Not famine, excuse me, and uh, um. A dry spell, a super long dry spell, and people are like, oh, it's a drought, nothing's growing, or it's really rainy, and all the turnips are rotten, you know, or there's infestation of bugs or something's in here now because the weather has gone bad. The mosquitoes are thick as hell. 
all the weather has such impact on everything else around you. It just becomes a great catalyst for those types of stories. I think it's, it's a neat place to start. Well, and, and frankly, we're touching on maybe more of the natural weather, right? There's even the unnatural, right? So, well, Greyhawk, rain know, of Gandalf, colorless fire. <laughs> Gandalf's tr- going through the mountains, man. Yeah. You know, this stuff's not natural, man. It's coming down. Somebody's trying to knock him off the mountain. Yeah. Make it impassable. So now you got that going on. So then and you when get you're playing books. a fantasy game, that type of thing comes in your head, right? As a player. Sure. If you're describing this to me and I'm going to fight the warlock of Witch Mountain and I'm on my way to fight the warlock of Witch Mountain and we have are on day five of an ice storm, I'm probably going to think, you know what? Fucking warlock of Witch Mountain might be an ice wizard. This is not good. You know, is this going to continue? Is he doing this to us? What's happening here? Those things play into your head. Even if it's not, even if you're like, even if you're using a random table, like, oh, look at ice storm, ice storm. Oh, that's weird. Fifth day in a row, ice storm. The players are going to start wondering what's going down. So we've covered a little bit of the flavor, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's tone, it's feel, it's the sound, it's the smell. All that can play a role in describing the environment of which to set the immersion and, and immerse the player character into, right? Correct. Now, what about the mechanics piece? Yeah. When does the GM Stick it to the players. I hinted at earlier, right? It's a horrible uh, blizzard. Um, I want to see if I can hear any noise. Good luck. Minus 10. I can't see through the dust storm. Nope. Wind is blowing so hard. I took a, I took this out of the old uh, Wilderness Survival Guide, first edition AD&D. Try to shoot arrows into a horrible gale force wind. Good luck. You know, arrows don't travel that fast. It, yeah. it, it causes problems. I, sh- I shoot a compound yeah. bow. Missile and I- weapons. Forget about yeah, it. Yeah, right? I shoot a compound bow, and if the if it's too windy, it drifts. Hell, you shoot high speed rifles. The wind drift takes it takes its toll at certain range. Hey, hey, newsflash! If you're shooting modern day artillery, and there's wind, there's a thing called drift. Yeah, and that's a hundred to two hundred pound round. Yeah, it will move it. It will. Well, yeah, absolutely. You ever see a semi almost get blown off the road? Wind, wind, wind impact, driving issues, ice on roads. Your modern issue, your modern day stuff. Trying to land a spacecraft. Um, and then crashing into Dagobah because it's a fucking swamp. I mean, poor Luke Skywalker, right? Oh my God, I have no sensors. I can't see shit. Sploosh. This happens. Sploosh. And um, I think those penalties and, I mean, we, we kind of hit that too. When we talk drought. It's like, there's no water. How much water did you guys bring with you? You get to lean into our old gear episode when you talk encumbrance and stuff that you brought with you. Do you have water? Yeah, we. well, I think we would. Okay, let's agree right now. You got about five days worth of water on you. That sounds about right. Yeah, let's go. Or, or create create water now is a spell that you want, where before it was like, eh, Yeah, you, you keep looking at that old cleric. <laughs> what the hell? Back in the day, why did you waste a spell slot for create water, you dumbass? And then, oh, wait, ho-ho, guess who made create water today, boys? That's what's going on. Yeah, that kind of happens. That happens. Well, and now at the same time, as a dungeon master, game master, if that's the case, you gotta you gotta kind of right make that happen, right? If somebody if clerics like create water, you give them a drought, oh it comes in handy, kind of feed that well, a little bit. I'll tell you, if you have a ranger or a druid, you have a nature loving individual who oh I'm from the woods, I love to be in the wilderness, I'm a you know, mountain dwarf ranger who's hunted yetis upon the tundras of the north. I, I might as well throw excuse me, throw some weather at these folks. I mean, that they made a character specifically about the weather, right? You have a druid character who likes to call lightning and stuff. They should be attuned to these things. You know, you have someone who summons lightning all the time, you know, just make it about storms or something. It's it. You can take character backgrounds and concepts that they've got, and the weather may have important meaning to that. So we got away from the mechanics piece. A little bit. Sorry, I'm just saying, to so me, VC, it's a lot of it's about penalties. VC was talking about Jeff. Jeff, DM, GM, Jeff. He's written in before. We know Jeff. Jeff, we got your number, buddy. <laughs> Jeff said, what's the point of weather if it's not going to impact characters? So that's the deal, right? You, If you're going to make it dry, you're going to make it wet, you're going to make it snow, you're going to make it cold, whatever the weather's like, maybe it's, hey, maybe it's great. Maybe it's just like, hey, it's awesome, man. It's great. Freak snowstorm. Get- do you have, do you have boots? Do you have warm, but what? Warm but clothes? mechanically, Brett. Okay, so yeah. Got so the you, booze, so, got so, the wear. so you don't, you don't have it. Okay, um, you take four hit points of damage. Why? What? You have, fro- what? You have frostbite. No. Yeah. Hyperthermia. Hyperthermia sets in. You start. No. You're gonna die. I oh my mean, God. it's terrible. 
What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, well, we'll just swim across the lake. It's 20 below zero. You really want to do that? You know, I mean, get, swim across the lake that's probably frozen. Yeah, I mean, at well, minus 20, Brad. I'm just saying, it's just, these are things that you want to walk, you want to swim, you know, unnatural cold snaps, is ice freezing. You know, if it's magical, who knows? No, I'll just swim across this magically clear lake here. That'll be totally fine. What about movement, man? Yes. Throw movement in Yeah, there. your movement penalties could slow down. You can't see. You got snow up to your ass. It's mud up to your knees. Good luck with that. And then in combat, oh, my God. Oh, there's mud up to your knees, and you're going to engage with the troll, the swamp troll that lives, everything, that lives everything here. Everything is hazardous terrain, right? Absolutely. Half movement, quarter movement. Yeah, I mean, those rules, get to, you get to pull those rules out. You've looked at all those terrain rules. You're like, yeah, I've never used that. I've never used that. Even if you're playing something like 5e, you're like, you know what? I'm throwing disadvantage on all you, on all y'all because guess what? You know, you're fighting semi-arboreal tree trolls and uh, you're stuck in mud in the swamp. Good luck. I mean, it can, it can get pretty ugly. That's when the weather and the conditions like that really have more of an impact than just flavor. Could be positive though. Oh, Totally. Ranger tracking. Oh yeah, man. Plus five dudes. Snow everywhere. You can look at you can see tracks everywhere. Well, I hinted at that before, right? In my Avalon setting. Yeah. If it's raining outside, you come in a building towards the water, where's the mud? I get a bonus on my tracking roll. Hey, it has it just rained. I can see these tracks clear or fresh snow. I can follow I can follow the stuff simpler. Get bonuses. Yeah. Absolutely you can bonus people up. Dan's talking about rust and armor. Mm-hmm. Stamina. Yes. Fatigue. Fatigue. If you've got- You are fatigued, right? Throw in the conditions. Exactly. If you have those things that anything that can be a combat condition can be a natural condition. Nature will kick your ass. And uh, anything that is, you're, you're blinded, you're blinded. Can't see shit. You're blind. Penalty. Can't feel right. anything. You, it's freezing cold. Um, you can't feel anything. You have p- pending frostbite. You can't feel it. Can't use your hand so well. Minus is on you. Jeff- Jeff mentions uh, downpouring rain and there's a flood. You got to go around, right? You can't cut across the river. It's flooded out. Yeah. And if you, or, and the, if, or the path is. And if you want to swim, penalties again, because water's deep and fast moving. And there's boulders and trees and dead animals rolling around in it too. So, But now there's also um, one thing that I wanted to mention was it plays a role, not in with just adventuring, but you're talking economics. Yes. Right? Sieges. Right, so if there's weather and you're you're putting a laying siege, supply lines, it impacts a lot of stuff. But people don't think about that. Like, hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and buy stuff in this town. Well, guess what? They don't have any of that because it's been downpouring for forty days and forty nights. Yeah, you and can- they haven't been able to get their supplies. Oh, and hey, what if you're bringing food in? People are starving. Yeah. I mean, you could develop an entire ecosphere just around wacky weather patterns. And speaking of wacky weather patterns, then you get into, well, is it just like a daily thing where you're in Hawaii, it rains twice a day and everybody goes, eh, and then it's going to over and it's going to be sunny. Yeah. Or are we talking about- Mount St. Helens blows up and it takes all flights out. Winter is coming, right? Game of Thrones, like you're talking about winter's coming, five years, 10 years of winter. Yeah. Crops. Yeah. If, uh, yeah. Think about, yeah, shit. Yeah. And you maybe you be, be put on a mission just to get food. Well, even if not that, then you're put on a mission to save the food you have. Right. I mean, then the, then the war happens because everyone knows it's going to come and they're worried about the barony down the street. That's got more than they do. And you know, things that used to be happy, go lucky now aren't quite so happy. Go lucky. No, I like that. That's cool. Potato famine of Irish yep. uh, of Ireland, right? Yep. If you want something as a kind of an inspiration, well, it's kind of a negative inspiration, right? But if you want to look at what that's all about, well, just the, the impact of any drought, the Dust Bowl stuff, any right. anything like that, Ethiopia, the famines, the droughts that they've had, hurricanes, man. Oh God, yeah, right. The damage, tornadoes. Yep. You can natural, unnatural, yep. right? If it's unnatural, what is the root of it? Can you get rid of it? Is it something you could do? Modern day campaigns, right? Yes. You can implement all that. You could even as a, as a spy game implement it as a conspiracy theory, right? Or maybe somebody's got a weather manipulator. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's a that's a specter thing. That's a crazy Bond villain thing. I'll make it rain for a thousand days or something. Yeah. No. It's the yeah, antenna. Yeah. It's the antenna in Alaska. What the hell is that? Oh yeah, you know about that, Brett? Is it? You know what I'm talking about? 
I think you've mentioned this before. It is. It's like they mess with the ionosphere and they think it's a weather controller or manipulator. And that's why we're getting all the hurricanes. Of course it is. That's right. The government controls radio frequency, radio frequency. I forgot about the government controlled hurricanes. Yeah, that is a thing. But I'm, but it's, you know, for, there it is. Harp, Eric Farmer. Thank you very much. Harp. Yes. The harp antenna, harp. right? Yep. But if you're playing a modern day, you know, the weather can manipulate quite a bit, right? Like, Hey, if you can control the weather and you're in that, in the business that relies on whether good or bad, Brett, you and I work for an insurance company, <laughs> insured crop insurance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, guess what? Famine, uh, no crops. Hey, guess what's getting paid out? Oh, Lord. Right? Nice. I like it. This is a good topic, man. I gave you a little shit, but when I started reading the notes, I'm like, you know what? I use this a lot. Maybe not even as much as I want. And you don't want to overuse it. It can't be all the time, every time, because it gets boring as hell, but it uh, it's... People talk about the weather because it's a real goddamn thing that impacts your life. And hey, and one thing we didn't touch on, which we'll get, we'll move on in a bit, but geographic location too, right? Some some areas are more susceptible to certain weather, right? You go to the rainforest, it's called the rainforest because it's not a desert. Yeah, it's damp there. Right. Moist. <laughs> it's noted for its moisture. And it's humid and buggy. And, and and even with that weather, it creates an ecosphere. You got a lot of bugs and humidity and it's miserable and whatever. Same with desert, dry, parched lips, thirst. So even even geographically, if you have your home world or your own campaign setting, you're going to have certain weather, weather patterns. But it's something that you can implement as a game master that I think is rather overlooked, actually. We look at some of the bigger, like, hey, it's the big bad evil person. This is the plot. What's going on? Throw weather into the mix, man. You could You could have all kinds of fun. I like it. Good stuff, man. You with, you with me, Brett? You do you do good work while I'm gone. Nice. So let us know how you have used the weather. Be interested to hear from you uh, if that's the case. And if you don't use the weather, maybe it's something you want to take a look at. Don't, Brett, right? Absolutely. No, sounds good. I like it. Well said. All right, let's get into die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to you or inspiration for your game. Brett's been busy, so we're going to pick up the slack a little bit. I got a couple, got a couple from listeners. Um, so I will let Brett go and you do the listeners. Sure. Uh, one from Joe Swick. He's got a link out there to 11 hidden spots to enter the underworld. Why would you not want to have this list? Um, and then the one from Corey Wynn is a link over to Advanced Designers and Dragons. It's uh, t- their 2016 year in review talks about um, farewells. A few a few people that have uh, left the gaming industry unfortunately have died. Um, talks about some changes within the different uh, industry. You know, Fantasy Flight Games not being with Games Workshop anymore. Uh, a little bit on the state of D and D. Some cool stuff talks about indie, the rise of the indie gaming, and all that. So. Neat little article, good write-up, I think. So good stuff there from Corey. And those are listener ones. Sean, over to you, sir. In Joe's? I did that. Oh, you did Joe's? Yeah, that was the first one. that's the first one I read. Oh, my God. Where have I been the last I have five no minutes? idea. I'm sorry. I, don't know. I was getting caught up with finding out what Corey's was about. <laughs> Uh, mine, Watsi offers insight into Eberron's Artificer class. So the latest, um, article over there has to deal with the Artificer. If you're a fan of Eberron, you know, a few people out there that are looking at you, Christian Toronto. I was going to say, if Christian Toronto isn't Phil, the first person you think of. Yeah. Uh, check it out. Uh, number two for me, augmented reality free PDF. Um, so if you are cyberpunk, you got to go and get this PDF. It is free. Enhance your games of the dark future with the easy to use augmented reality cyberpunk city kit. Hmm. In- inside, you'll find over 50 tables designed to assist game masters who need to improvise futuristic city details or who have found that they are unprepared for where their players are heading. Nice. Cyber Cyberpunk systems, Shadowrun, Cyberpunk 2020, you know, Interface Zero, there's 
um, all kind the sprawl. Sometimes players will kind of go off, and this PDF may help you as a game master adapt to those. Well, especially if you're not. One of the things I like about these type of PDFs and these uh, these little game master tchotchkes, if you will, is because if I'm trying to get into a genre that I don't know really well, I'm only cursory, cursorily, if that's a word, uh, connected to. You know, cursory. I cursory. I don't have a lot of knowledge of the cyberpunk piece. I know bits and chunks of it, right? But having something like this to make sure I stay true to the thing I'm trying to emulate. So when the players go left instead of right, I have a thing that's true to the genre. It's similar to silly names, right? So um, that way I don't have to. Uh, I don't have to pull a Corey Wynn and have an anti Tyronist cult just because. Throwing, throwing your bottle this caps around there. Freaking coaster does like sticks to my glass. Oh, you gotta get a th- anyway. you gotta get a thirsty zone, dude. That's what you do. Oh, well, good to know. I'll get you one. Uh, I'll get you one for your one birthday. Of th- thanks, buddy. Uh, thanks to Joe uh, Joel Nikki Joel Nikki for the review on iTunes. Absolutely, it's like a handle all squished together. So I don't know. How to, I'm sure it's Joe. It's Joe Nikki. We screwed it up. Anyway, thanks, thank you. Thanks for the review on iTunes, buddy. Always nice to have them. Yes. And then um, I also want to give a shout out to the Wild Die Podcast. I'll have a link in the show notes. Christian Serrano was a guest on one of their bonus episodes. And those guys were like, they they, they talked, and Christian's like, oh, somebody, actually Mongrel, the pure, pure Mongrel, fan of the show. Yes. Has uh, wrote into them, and Christian said, "Well, if you're going to read Mongrel's email, you got to read it like Sean Kelly's Aussie, <laughs> Aussie accent." And they did. Did they? Awesome. They did. And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, game and BS. We listen to those guys; they're entertaining." They probably don't. Listen they probably to don't listen cool. to us, but that's okay. That's all right. So they 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 did it in an Australian accent, which I don't do. Like, I just do accents. Yes, he just does an accent. We don't know what it's from or where it's from. It's just a different way of speaking. It's my way of not offending anybody. Well, I'll tell you it's right just... now, if if the mongrel listens to us and the wild die, that means he, he um, he's clearly a man of taste because he listens to us. Therefore, the wild die is clearly something you should listen to. I mean, that's what I got to say. So if you're not familiar with the wild die, they are a Savage Worlds podcast. Go check them out. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you so much, guys. We appreciate it. Um, uh, so, Game Hole Con. Sponsor of the show, partner, we're endorsing them, whatever disclaimer we want to put in here. Uh, 2017, first weekend in November, get your ass to Game Hole Con. Yes. Gaming convention in November. We'll be there in full force. Most recent update, January 8th, which is a day before we're recording this, which is two days before this actually drops, the hotel blocks are opening up. Fuck, I get in my room. Right? Yeah. So get your room. There's about three, one, two, three, four hotels in walking distance. One is actually connected to the con. So if you plan on going, um, the blocks are opened up. Feel free to reserve that like as you listen to this. Absolutely. We thank them for helping us out, being there on the show, and... All kinds of stuff. Cool. What are we talking about next week, Brad? Next week, I think we should talk about social encounters. We've talked about the weather. Let's talk about uh, talking about the weather, right? Let's have a social encounter. We'll do Social that. encounter? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times I've run into like, hey, they, there's this and this happens. How do you run it? Like, And there are certain systems that completely and utterly suck ass facilitating social encounters, Brett. So let's see what we can find out when we talk next week. We good? That sounds like a plan. I think so. All right. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. Episodes like this one brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason Blaylock, 
Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Merkel Froelich, Wayne Lumrunner Humphrey, James Carpio, not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Brett Pazinski, Tim Shorts, Eileen Barnes, Chad Knight, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, <gasps> Nicholas Abruzzo, Victor Wyatt, Tony the Butcher Baker, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, The Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Brasslett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, and Christopher Gray. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider going to GamingMBS.com forward slash Patreon. Thank you so much.